Hello, everyone. It is March 16th. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here in this mid-March 2022 day of recording of the Manga Talk Discussion Podcast Show with your hosts, me and them. Thank you. Did like a small air bubble get to your brain? <laughs> that was why everything went <laughs> topsy-turvy for a moment. It started off as a mistake, so I just kept on going. Okay. Uh, and it worked out good fine in the end. So <laughs> throughout the episode, I'm just like typing in like stroke symptoms. Like Nick, what's your? Uh, <laughs> can you just give me your address just for shits and giggles while uh, you talk about elusive samurai? I'm just gonna. <laughs> I can't talk about that right now. My arm is just like I just got no feeling in it. I... <laughs> All I smell is toast. <laughs> I've gotten some. Like on heart attack mixed into there somehow. <laughs> By the way, everybody, as a, a friendly health advisement, if your arm does go numb, that is a stroke sign. You should go to it the is hospital. A stroke sign. Okay. I did not do that. <laughs> that is where I was like, this'll pass. And two <laughs> weeks later, it didn't. So <laughs> keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. But uh make sure you have health insurance first. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> what are they gonna do, Nick? What are they gonna do? Uh, all right. So today we are talking about a thing that we've basically said we were going to talk about since the series came out, essentially, I guess. Like we kind of knew this was going to happen eventually. We're talking about Blue Box Aonohako by uh, Koji Miura, which is a series that has been running in Weekly Shonen Jump. For almost a year now, it's uh, one month shy of a full year that it's been running. Uh, and this is a series that, for a couple different reasons, really feels very different from a lot of stuff that's in Shonen Jump right now. Not just in terms of genre, but in terms of like general aesthetic uh, and pacing as well. And tone. Yes. Uh, this is a... It's a... Uh, romantic comedy manga that is way more focused on relationships than on like really silly comedy there are jokes in it uh definitely but it's much more of a kind of slice of life romance than it is anything else that we would normally see in terms of a romance series in shonen jump there's no super goofy premise uh and there are very few zany shenanigans that happen yeah uh it's also i guess a much more grounded uh romance series in comparison to like the much more kind of cartoonish series that maybe have been recent additions to jump like we never learn in nisekoi i say recent like nisekoi is like eight years old at this point but mm -hmm. uh where those had yeah as you said kind of very cartoonish premises and very exaggerated characters this one's uh, a bit more grounded. I don't want to say this is like a realistic series, but like it's it's a bit more uh, it's a bit more on the, the the less fantastic side, certainly. Yeah, there's no secret uh, assassination families uh, and there's no, you know, a class full of super geniuses in different respects that are, you know, our very plain protagonist needs to tutor. The premise of this one is. A uh, girl's into basketball. A guy has a crush on her uh, and she is going to have to move away because of her family, except it turns out she doesn't because she is going to be staying with our main character's family, which, oh, my gosh, what? they're living under the same roof. 
and he's got a crush on her, which, I mean, you could play that up, yes. It's like, oh my God, what is it? But then you think about it, it's like, all right, well, but is she a hitman? Oh, no. Okay. Well, we don't know that yet. We that's know, true we don't know a lot about her dad you know and, and those sorts of things those details are still kind of unknown to us so maybe she is a hitman that is a good point and a, a couple of people in our discord when talking about the series were observing the fact that uh the heroine chinatsu uh definitely has like her kind of antisocial awkward moments so maybe maybe it's a sign that uh she's you know it's just it's just her programming to be the ultimate assassin showing through so uh so our main character is named taiki he is in the badminton club and he has a big crush on shinatsu who is a a senpai of his one year ahead uh who is in the basketball club and Shinatsu is like considered, you know, one of like the idols of the school. She's beautiful, she's friendly, and she is one of the top players on the team. And so Taiki, being an awkward teenager, is like, well, I'm 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 not worthy of trying to ask her out. So to kind of prove to himself and potentially to demonstrate to her that they might be, you know, a good match, he's like I'm going to be a really good badminton player. So that way we, you know, like be on the same level. Like I'd be a sports ace and she'd be a sports ace and I will get to show her how cool I am and stuff. And so he sets off to try and do that uh, while also occasionally trying to do stuff to get closer to her. But I mean, he's like, he's like 15. So he's, he's look, the sports thing is something I could actually work on. Okay. I don't know how, I don't know how romance love work thing. So in the meanwhile, uh, there is uh, another girl, uh, who I keep on. Yeah. I keep on going back and forth between Hina, her first name and Chono, I think it's Chono. Her. And then I just kind of like, if they cl- cross each other out when I tried, Chono uh, and Cena. Yeah. <laughs> This series would be improved if John Cena was one of the love interests. <laughs> just like, I've always loved you, Chinasu, and it just like turns away. And then you realize John Cena was there all along doing the hand sign thing, and he was like, no, he heard the confession. He's going to know everything now. It just picks, <laughs> picks up Taiki for the, for the AA, and it doesn't matter that he built up all of this love and affection for Chinasu. No, AA, boom, you're done. You're in love with Cena now. One, two, three, that's yeah. it. And then he goes down and he goes, burr, 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 like a real sad version. <laughs> uh, Hina is a rhythm, rhythmic gymnast uh, and also is very talented. Like it's she's a not, national caliber gymnast. It's it's not like made a huge deal of all the time, presumably because a great deal of the series is from Taiki's perspective. And Hina is just like one of his best friends and he kind of just takes her presence sort of for granted a lot of the time. Whereas Chinatsu, he is very focused on everything about her is kind of romanticized and put through that kind of rose tinted lens. Uh, Whereas you see Hina going around and like there's just a very casually dropped fact at one point. It's like, yeah, I got third in the national competition. (laughs) And she's like, "Yeah, I'm not. I'm not satisfied with that. I'm gonna keep on tr- going." It's like, you, she was, she was third <laughs> in the country. <laughs> it, it is actually kind of an interesting point that um, it is impossible to forget 
how Chinasu is a national caliber player who is competing at the highest level, aiming for the absolute top because Taiki is thinking about it all the time. It's one of the things mm-hmm. about her that you know enamors Taiki so much. And since we read the story through his viewpoint, it makes sense that we see that. But it also makes sense that we don't actually really get to appreciate that much about Hina and her skill because, as you said, Taiki kind of just takes her for granted because they've just been friends for a very long time. So it's only kind of when Taiki seems to acknowledge like, oh yeah, Hina's very talented that we, the reader, also get to see like, oh yeah, she's ridiculously good at this. Uh, And so the main relationship in the series is a love triangle between those three. Because from the beginning, Taiki has a big crush on Shinatsu. Shinatsu doesn't know who he is at the very beginning of the series, but of course they, they do meet and get to know each other a bit at the beginning in the first chapter before Chinatsu moves in with Taiki, because it turns out their moms are old friends and stuff. Uh, so Chinatsu goes to live with Taiki. And of course this is awkward for him, but he's also like, but this could be my chance. Uh, by the way, Taiki, I was so happy when the series did this because we talked about the first three chapters of this series, uh, as we do with every new series in jump on when we, when it premieres, when we talk about it on the show, uh, and a f- just a couple chapters in, I was like, Taiki, you're like, you're, you're being so weirdly horny, like over, over, like not like he's being horny over, not the first sexual aspects of a person you could think of, but like you could tell like the way that he's infatuated there is like, you need to calm down. You need, you need, you need to stop. And eventually, uh, during a conversation he's having with Hina, um, they bring up like, okay, well, what's going to happen? Like if you confess to her, so, well, I'm afraid of what she'll say. Yeah, well, it was not with Hina. It's um it's Karen. With, it's with Hyodo's girlfriend, whose name right. I don't remember. I think Hyodo, it's Karen. Hyodo, by the way, being uh, Taiki's mentor slash senior in in badminton club, and also one of Shinatsu's best friends, mm-hmm. and uh, another of Shinatsu's friends who doesn't go to the school and is his girlfriend. Um, She's talking with Taiki and they bring up the point of like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I could confess to her and stuff. And then it would make it things really awkward if she didn't, you know, want to go out with me because then she'd be living with the guy that she had rejected and stuff. And she's like, yeah, but if you don't confess to her and you're just like low key attracted to her while she's living with you, doesn't that make you a huge creep? And he's like, oh, my God, I never thought of that. <laughs> Which I was so glad that eventually someone brought that. It was like, you are being kind of a weirdo about this. But. It is. Um, I will say it is uh, somewhat of an endearing weirdness because Taiki is a teenager and he does like have dumb thoughts at times. But this is and it's one of the reasons why it's so surprising how successful a series is in Jump. This is a series that is like surprisingly very almost to nothing when it comes to like fan service and things like Mm -hmm. that. Like there's, there's not cheesecake. There's nothing like it's a weird series in that. Like at times I was thinking like, well, it's no, we never learn. And then other times I read and I'm like, 
No, we never learn. Thank goodness. Like <laughs> wiping my brow. Cause this could be a much more uncomfortable series. If it had that, it's really like pretty plain and, and clear. And when there is something that is meant to be, I don't, I don't know what the terms to use. They, they do address the idea that there is like a physical attraction element at play. Mm-hmm. It's always very grounded and not perverted from the reader's perspective you know it's it's maybe something that taiki is is feeling or thinking about or something like that and we the reader really don't dwell on it which is greatly appreciated there is a moment where taiki is ill so chinatsu's taking care of him and there's a moment where like you know he starts to like collapse and she's like grabbed onto him or something so they fall onto the bed together and she falls on top of him and it's this moment where you know their bodies are close and there's just this one shot that kind of hones in on like the leg of chinatsu's shorts so that you see like some of her thighs and it's like that's like the raunchiest the series gets in you know a year of publication there's you know no scenes of like oh Oh no, she she was in the bathroom and he stumbled in. Da, da, yeah, there's or anything there's like that, nothing so. like we never learn where a character would trip, somehow grab three different girls' bottoms and pull them down, or whatever nonsense used to happen and we never learn on like a weekly schedule or fucking whatever it was. Right. Um, the, the 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 shorts vacuum entity has not visited this universe. Exactly. Uh, and I, I I appreciate that because there's none of that, you know, there there really doesn't feel like there's a gimmick that's meant to, like, kind of draw you in. It is really just a pretty down-to-earth kind of clean story. And I can understand how it might be dull and boring to some people. That is a complaint that is often kind of brought up. It was brought up several times in our Discord about this series. Um, and I think there is a perfectly understandable element of that because Taiki is not the most compelling lead. Um, He doesn't have a ton of traits that make him like super hysterical or really endearing or anything like that. He's a good kid. He's a good bean. Um, He's just not, he wouldn't be my favorite, like kind of protagonist of this sort of series. And Shinasu herself is very dry and you don't really get to know a lot about her. Um, However, I do believe that is intentional uh, as the story opens up and we like Taiki only get to see Chinasu as this perfect, athletic, uh, cute, uh, powerful, like seemingly uh, mistake-free girl. And as the series goes along, we do start to see the layers underneath her of like self-confidence issues and doubt and, and different things start to play into when you realize there's more aspects to it. However, all that said, Hina is the best character. We all know that. She is the best at every scene she's in. She makes every scene better. <laughs> Hina is easily, at least at this point in the series, just has a more interesting dynamic with Taiki. Mm -hmm. Because she has, yeah, like you said, a lot more of a fun character. And so she plays off of Taiki much better. But that kind of just goes with, you know, hand in hand with the fact that they've known each other for longer. And so they can mess with each other more. Whereas Taiki's like, oh, Chinas is so, she's so beautiful. Yeah. Hey. And she's like, hey, Taiki. Yeah. Hey, it's, hey, hey, it's, it's, how, how are you doing? <laughs> it's very much a one way street there uh, when it comes to Taiki and Chinasu. Yeah. Um, 
Unfortunately, I do think that the two of them are probably the least interesting characters at this point in the series, uh, especially now that we've gotten to know uh, Hyoda more and his relationship with Karen, which is way more endearing than anything that Taiki's got going on um, because they have this you know, back and forth where each of them are like, you know, hey, you know, you've got to keep on doing, you know, working hard and trying to follow your goal. And Karen's constantly threatening him with with like, hey, if you don't keep on trying hard at Batman, then I'm going to break up with you. And he's just like, yeah, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm trying really hard. He's just he's just they've got such weird, hot and cold personalities that really uh, work off of each other very well. Uh, by the way, it's uh, how are you? By the way, is the are you? Hyodo is the Yoda rival is player. Rival. Rival player. Dang that's, it! That's that's why I I was the one who said Hyodo first and probably messed us up on that. So Hyodo is so. my favorite character, by the way. Hyodo is awesome. He's cool. <laughs> He's so funny because because like they when someone will try and like make a snappy remark to him, like uh, what was it, what was it? I'm gonna take back the trophy that you stole. He's like. I don't have the trophy. I gave it back to them after I post with it. Yeah, I was like, you know, I, I have to return it to the organization. Like, no, it's just like a turn of phrase. Like, why would you turn a phrase? <laughs> you can't have anything over my head. I'll hit with my badminton racket. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just want to note one of my favorite scenes. It's just like a line that Hina has where she meets Shinasu and she doesn't have like a ton of familiarity with her and she like meets her and like they're in i think it's like a like a clinic or something like that and they leave and it starts to rain and she's just like oh here i brought a second umbrella you could just like bring it back to me whenever and then she walks away and hina's just like she's so fucking perfect she better have like a messed up fetish or something like that. <laughs> like, that was, Such a random. I was like, that was the funniest thing she could have said. I think it's when everyone's like, she has to have something fucking weird about her. She can't be this goddamn perfect. Uh, that leads to the sequence where Hina finds out that Jinatsu is living with Taiki. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, there's like a few people that are close to him that find out that the two of them are living together, but they generally keep it a secret because it's like this could potentially cause a scandal because they're like, oh, what is she doing living under some boy's roof and all that? So it's perfectly understandable why you keep that secret. Yeah. Um, but I just want to talk about. So back when we were talking about the series initially in late, late April, rather, of last year. I essentially said, I really like this. I don't know if it would be good to cover week to week on Weekly Manga Recap. As it turns out, that was a mistake. Because I think a great element of enjoying this series is going to probably be coming down to reading it chapter by chapter. Because this is very much a series that is built on a chapter ends on a cliffhanger. And then the next week... It's resolved immediately. Yes, it's a it's it's very very straightforward uh, chapter ending cliffhanger kind of kind of stuff. A big tense moment where you're like, oh my god, what's going to happen? It resolves pretty pretty quickly. We've had two of those happen like in a row uh, in the past couple of chapters, um, and it's honestly like stuff that's actually that's not going to be resolved as easily because it's got 
each of them has long-term ramifications, but you know, it would be stuff like what I mentioned earlier. Um, Chinatsu falls on top of Taiki. Oh my God, what's going to happen? She's going to be like, Nope. Oh, okay. Oops. Oh, right, sorry. <laughs> Walked my out bad. of the room. That's it. The scene's over. <laughs> um, so that is honestly the thing that I think I'm going to be looking forward to is getting those moments where we cover a chapter and it's like, Oh my God, here's the thing that's happened at the end. What's going to happen next? And then it's the next week. Uh, oh, but what's going to happen next week? <laughs> uh, I think this is a series that is very, very interesting. It is a mega hit in Japan. This is definitely one of the most popular series that's come out in like the last year. It sells extraordinarily well. The art in it is extremely well received. Everyone really seems to like it. It is, again, this weird anomaly in Jump where it is a romance series uh, that isn't horny, which is weird for Jump. And then it's not abnormal. They have had less horny series as well. But in the time we've been doing Weekly Manga Recap, it feels very strange. Uh, And also, it is a sports series that does not dwell on the sports at all. Like, every time there's a major sports match, it's like, this is the match of my life. And then you'll turn the page and be like, I've lost. (laughs) And you're just (laughs) like, yeah, man, fucking done. Let's get to the next scene. Um, But I I do genuinely enjoy it. Um, It is also, I think, a series that will be good for the recap because it is a, a, you know, slice of life romance series to help break up the monotony of a lot of various different uh, battle series. Dr. Stones was one of those series that kind of helped break it up before. So I, I, I do think this will help to, to spice up the recap. And also I'm just looking forward to, to continuing to read it. I, I think this was one of the better series that was outside of the recap. Um, there were some other ones, but Nick vehemently said no to those ones. Uh, Sakamoto day fans. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nick said, fuck you. Yeah. And that's going to be our thing. You, you're going to keep out Mission Yuzakura Family. I'm going to keep out Sakamoto Days. <laughs> High five. Ah! <laughs> yeah, so I guess the most recent chapter, uh, I don't know if we're going to talk about it this episode or we just talk about it right now, but it's like, yeah, Hina's confessed and Taiki's kind of processing it. And it's really good. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, also, Chinatsu lost at Nationals, so that sucks. Yeah. Uh, e- everyone's losing, except Hina, who got third place at Nationals. <laughs> um, yeah, and there, apparently Hina did a lot of like soul-searching, gathering her nerves and stuff to confess to Taiki. Uh, we didn't see a lot of the turmoil that she was dealing with, honestly. We saw like a couple of different bits where she you know, had some awkwardness. But she seemed to get her head on straight and just decided to do it. And she seemed really cool in her interactions with Taiki in this chapter because she was like, from now on, when you look at me, don't just think of me as your friend. Think of me as the girl who's in love with you. And he's like, "Ah, how do I deal with that? (laughs) (laughs) And I do really like the moments where he's reflecting off of their like conversations when they went to the summer festival together and all the different things that he said to her and she said to him. And then the different context of, wait, she was in love with me. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's some good stuff. I'm, 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 I'm pretty happy with it. And our chapter ending cliffhanger is Jinatsu apparently seems to seems to have overheard the two of them talking about this. So we'll see what her reaction is to that. She had, she had she had previous thoughts that like, oh, I think Chinese Chin or uh, Hina, Hina 
likes you. You should go for it. And Taiki had to be like, what? No, we're friends. What do you do? Like, no, please. I, I'm available. I'm available. Please. <laughs> please kiss me. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of turmoil going on in everyone's lives. And we'll see what happens next week. Indeed. Anyway. Nothing important like that is happening in My Hero Academia this week. <laughs> uh, chapter number 347. Inflation. Oh, that's the real killer right there. That's what takes down the hero society. Inflation. Everything's too expensive. Gas. Bread. I, f- I found the ultimate villainous quirk. Money printer. <laughs> oh no. You're going to devalue all the money. Uh, last time, Shigaraki grew a bunch of gross fingers that destroyed Miroko. And, uh, the reaction to this from Bakugo is, what the hell is this creepy crap? Fair reaction. Yes, there's a bunch of gross hands everywhere now. It's one of those things that makes it so hard to relate to manga characters, because if a dude grew, like, a thousand bajillion fingers out of his hand... I would definitely be like, well, this is fucking... I would be, like, vomiting on the ground. Like, oh, my God, this is incomprehensibly terrifying. But I was like, I don't know. I guess he sees weird shit all... Like, he got kidnapped by a slime monster when he was, like, four. So, (laughs) I guess he's just used to weird shit. Uh, Yes. Chapter one of My Hero Academia, when All Might met Deku and took him on as apprentice. When Deku was four. Yes, I remember. (laughs) You could be a hero. Yay! (laughs) I need to learn my alphabet. I should think about the moral implications of this, but no time. Help me clean up this beach. Free child labor. <laughs> hero too. I am a true hero. <laughs> uh, so they, of course, bring up the fact like, wait, what the hell? We've got Phantom Thief using Eraserhead's quirk to erase all of all of Shigaraki's quirks. How is this happening? And they realize, Aha. oh, ha. It's not a quirk. He can just do this. Yep, I can just do this. Uh, So says All for One Shigaraki. This is just simple growth, my body on its own, the same way my hair or nails grow longer. Ew. (laughs) I mean, I still feel like it's kind of a quirk to grow your hands out that fast. Like, your, your fingernails don't grow that quickly. Yeah, that's the problem, the fingernails. <laughs> well, that's what, what he's trying to compare it to. He's like, it's just like growing fingernails. I just grow fingernails. They're like, yeah, but your fingernails still have like a natural rate of growth. Like, this is spontaneously exploding out in growth. Your nails don't have skin in them. Well, yes, they are. They're skin. But your nails don't have bone in them. <laughs> or they shouldn't. Maybe yours don't. Anyway. I, the justification is that Shigaraki's body has to adapt to ever-evolving quirks, so essentially the entire nature of his body has been changed. They could just do this shit now. So, all right. Um, I, this seems like he's willingly doing it, though, which, yes, does seem like a quirk, but whatever. So, uh, Miroko, who has lost her artificial arm... And a leg, which was a detail that I had missed, that she had an artificial leg in addition to her artificial arm. Uh, She calls for spares and 
fortunately they're in their super do everything arena base so a little hatch comes up and there are spare arms and legs in it and she goes and immediately fits them in like two seconds so she also like it's like in my mind because i was i don't know if we got to see like a great shot of her before but it doesn't look like like what her traditional limbs were prior to this so i like the idea that there's just like a bunch of these different stations with like here you go a helicopter arm and like a <laughs> Like a spaghetti spoon leg or something like that. She's like, just fighting ones. I don't need weird ones. Because, like, the one she has now looks like uh, one of those, like, uh, like almost like just a cinder block connected to, like, an arm. Like, doesn't even look like there's fingers to it or whatever. And I was like, it would be kind of dope if there were just, like, wacky, like, trick appendages in there for her to grab onto. <laughs> As a joke, we put some wacky, waving, inflatable arm floating too, Ben. <laughs> We put the climb attack in this one. You'll have to figure it out because I lost the instructions. God <laughs> damn it. What oh, man, it's great for party favors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Miriko shouts out to Bakugo, but she calls him Dynamite. And Bakugo gets pissed off that she's not remembering his super awesome hero name. Great explosion murder god Dynamite. Uh, and the two of them start arguing until best genius tells them all to stay focused and then they yell at him and he says your reply ought to be sure which fucking right. nerd fuck you nerd and that's pretty much what they say they're like you want some too you son of a bitch uh i'm sorry <laughs> The fact that Aizawa goes, those hands, though, is, is like such a weird, like, meme kind of term term of, like, complaining about all, all for one Shigaraki's abilities. But, yeah. Uh, they also realize, of course, that Deku is missing. And Deku uh, explains, okay, Himiko Toga grabbed me, so I need a warp. Uh, but they run into a problem, which is that Monoma can only act activate one copied quirk at a time. If he uses warp to bring Deku back to them, that he's going to have to stop erasing Shigaraki's abilities. So then they'd have to deal with all of his weird hand things and all the quirks at his disposal coming through those hand things, including, of course, Decay. So that would be a huge problem. Uh, and uh, so Aizawa just says to Midoriya, you're just going to have to make it here on your own. We can't take the time to transport you here. Sucks. But don't worry, and, they've uh, got an elite fighting force still here of uh, BJ King, Dynamite, Mirko, Sun Eater, I think Ed Shot's his name, I can't remember if it's him or Kamui Woods, they, they're, they're, they're replaceable in my mind, and girl member of the big three. I think her hero name was like Nedjeri Chan. It's Nedjeri Chan, yeah. It's like stupid like that. So what should we call you, Nedjure Chen? Yeah. <laughs> Do what now? Uh, so we cut to the island where uh, Toga and everyone has been transported to, including all of the high-end nomus and stuff. And we are exp explained to that uh, this island is uh, overseen by Gang Orca. Gang Orca. The best panel of the whole chapter is Gang Orca screaming. Ah! <laughs> ah! Uh, and uh, also Moonfish is there. The weird teeth guy that, of course, got broken out of the uh, villain prison. 
Uh, and uh, there is another hero guy here. Um, he's got a stick. Yep. He does. He's got a stick. Uh, Gang Orca instructs the other heroes to stay frosty, boys, which only someone as awesome as Gang Orca can ever get away with saying. Let's... If anyone else had said that, it would sound absurd. Uh, there was a shockwave from something earlier. It might have been one of the Nomu. I'm not sure exactly what they're referring to. And the shockwave carried away Uraka and Deku. Uh, so immediately, of course, the heroes are split up by people. Uh, Deku reports to Uraka that, of course, that they're, he can't get warped over there. But as they're talking, Toga comes flying in and she tries and she slashes at Deku's arms and she's like, don't go. I love you. Don't leave. Uh, and Deku immediately realizes like, wait, she just attacked me with a knife and my spider sense danger sense didn't trigger. So it's not recognizing the threat that she poses as danger. And she he realizes, oh, when she hurts people, she does so because she actually loves them. So my danger sense doesn't work on her. And as he's coming to this realization, he says, what do you want from me? And Toga makes a cute quote unquote pose while going for you to be my boyfriend. And of course, she's still got a knife in her hand, but she's blushing. So it's cute. There's a great uh, final image to end on in the chapter on, I, I must say. There so. you go. Did you like the chapter, Nick? It was a pretty good chapter. Uh, the uh, there were little details here and there that are were was like oh, okay, that's either weird or I don't care or silly. But the pacing of the chapter is very good, ramping up the danger, making you realize, oh wow, yeah, this is something a huge freaking wrench got thrown into this plan. And uh, I really like the dynamic that you know Toga is presenting here that you know complicates it and. You know, it's just by her very nature makes her dangerous to Deku. And also, you have to remember, she's got access potentially to a bunch of really, really dangerous quirks. So I, I, I'm very tickled by the idea that Danger Sense doesn't work on Toga because she views what she's doing as genuine affection. And I'm like, it, it's one of those things where like quirks have become almost too close to like jojo powers where i'm like so what does the quirk make that differential like like if someone tripped and hot soup was going to spill on deck it would have just been like well you didn't intend to have that soup spill it on was just an accident yeah. <laughs> don't activate the quirk you're good but like other times if like a rock were to fall and i'm like oh well, that's gonna be dangerous you can't let that happen or whatever <laughs> I think I would have warned you about that. That like the, rock doesn't love Deku. Like the, the quirk figures out. They're like, hey, you know what? I don't really sense this is love. You just, like, I get it. You know, there's no hostile intentions here. This is just love. She's going to stab you out of love. Get Before on out there, up. player. Like, it's just like a wingman. Like, come on, buddy. <laughs> Go shoot your shot. See, I think she likes you. Before we move on, um, I want to share a little something with people. So... I made I made a uh, a purchase and I don't usually make these kinds of purchases in general, both yeah. for the type of thing that I bought and just for the fact that it was kind of an exorbitant expense on my part. But I got me a thing. Oh, <gasps> it's gang orca. She's very. Cool. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's who that is. <laughs> I just have like a vision where like I saw a face in my mind just plays <laughs> gang work over top of Jiro. That is super cool. Yeah, it took me a while to actually find it because it came out a few years ago and it was like a limited release thing. So by the time I was like, I've got some, you know, you know, uh, expendable income that I could spend on this. I was like, yeah, good luck finding it now. Though. <laughs> yeah, face. Now you're done. You should have gone. It came out. Through, like, four vendors. I ran through like four vendors who were like, sorry, it's sold out. I was like, God, where is it? Like, <laughs> Come on, help me here. All right, Nick, let's move on to Undead Unluck. Chapter 102, Regulators. Well, it's just Regulator, but, I mean, come on. Can't regulators it. does sound like a fun TV show. Well, that's the... That's regulators! The <laughs> well, that's not the only musical reference we're going to get in here, as we'll get to by the end of it. So we open with God, who is basically just like, well, this sucks. No, it's not fun if you're just killing and causing chaos. I want to see people going through the constant anguish of despair and then the, the lifting of hope, the whole quest and reward system. But Undead fucked it all up. He's throwing off the balance. Not even Victor had the gall to do something that foolish. So this is unacceptable. Regulations on Undead. That's all that's going to happen so that I can enjoy this world even more and then boom the light hits and something has landed on earth and they're like what is that a meteorite and we're introduced to this character who is wrapped up in bandages has bandages and kind of almost like those uh charm ribbons or whatever i guess seals is what you just call them uh like spiraling off the back and everything like that and Andy just has to take one look and be like this one's not a uma this one is in a league of their own um and he also said, like, uh, what, uh, Lucille? Was that her name, or Lucy? Lucy. It was, it did begin with an L, definitely. I think it was Lucy. Uh, Lucy was just like, is that a person? And he says, if that's a person, then their fashion sense is in the pits. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, she, like, I wish the little girl was like, you killed gravity! And she's floating up to the sky, like, <laughs> you still making puns! Please help before I fall into the unforgiving cold vacuum of space! <laughs> Uh, a bunch of UMAs go up and are like, who the fuck are you? Wait, you want to fuck around and find out? You think you're the strong dog here? What's going on? And this character who we don't know is just like, pathetic. You miserable pack of fools who can't even com comprehend even an iota of God's will. And they're like, wait, what'd you call us? And goes to attack and then suddenly is just wrapped up in one of those bandages until they are like completely encased by it. And it's like getting swallowed up and like si like sucked up smaller and smaller. And Lucy's like, wait, swallow that one up. Is it on our side? And a bunch of the other UMAs attack it and they all get wrapped up too. And uh, this creature just says like, there are so many rules here, yet none of you can restrain a single negator. It's no wonder I was recreated. You're all so unreliable, so I shall use you. And they've now sucked up like six or so of these these various UMAs. Uh, and every time one gets sucked up, a new tag appears. And you can kind of see the first one says cloud in a very weird, hard to, hard to parse thing. Um, yeah, all the letters are arranged in weird ways. Yeah. Uh, so Andy's like, cool, thanks for helping us out. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, this character, who we eventually learn is Seal, just to get to it, says, You're undead, correct? I have an order from God. And he's like, Oh, yeah? What kind of errand does God have you running? 
And Seal just says, to seal you. And he's like, oh, shit. Goes to, like, like, kind of, like, Matrix dodge. And it's a really cool touch. Like, usually we've seen, like, the hair split dodges. But it actually cuts off because Andy's so dummy thick. It cuts off, like, the top of his pecs and actually slices those off. And, I was, and like, the top of his chin. And I was like, it's kind of metal you could do that in this series. <laughs> Hey, how did it slash him? They said that they were going to find you a maze to replace things. It's fine. Because okay. again, like, if also gravity's gone, so should they all be floating up into the air? I didn't slash. I cut. Yeah, I diced. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> it's um, like we just have to make up new words for things. Yeah. I didn't slash him. I vorped him. Yeah. And gravity's not here. The pulley down strong force is here, okay? <laughs> when well, now you're just combining several words to replace things. Like, shut up. Uh, Andy looks around. He's like, huh. A lot of trees have been cut down. But where'd the tops go? And then we see an enormous thing of the, like, an enormous globe of them in the sky. And Seal just says, release, and just drops all the trees down on Andy. And he's, like, smiling. He's like, holy shit, it's raining trees. And then Seal comes up and just fucking punches his heart out and goes to Seal. And we start seeing the tag start to say undead, but it dissolves away as Andy regenerates. Seal says, with you amazed, they're sealed once I absorb their core into a talisman. I thought it would work similarly with humans in their heart, but it seems that isn't true. And I have no desire to learn the rules behind humans, so for my next move, I shall simply wrap everything to seal you. That is the reason God chose me. Since the dawn of civilization, that is how undead has been felled. And we see an image of, like, a snake being trapped underneath a gigantic rock. And we end the chapter with a two-page spread, introducing Seal, who says, I am Seal. I was born from God's regulations to seal you undead. Kiss from a rose. And Andy says, Hey, sick. It's been a while since I've faced certain doom. Yeah, he's not perturbed by this seemingly at all. No, so. no. Uh, we did get to see, by the way, a couple other tags that were on seal. We can see in that panel cloud. Looks like Jewel is there. Previously, color. I color. I think Bo was in a Or color. <laughs> For crazy weirdos. Um, I think Bo is in a previous panel you can read. Yes. Or Bow. Maybe it's Bow, like Bow Chicka Wow Wow. <laughs> Or mob? I don't be, know. Bomb, bomb, bomb. But just bomb. No, not with the, no second B. Just bomb. Bomb. Yeah. Nintendo owns the rights to bomb, even yes. though their character's not called that. Bomb. <laughs> Good chapter. It's pretty cool. We get to introduce yeah. this new character. They're pretty awesome. It is a little disappointing to not see more implications of like, oh, Andy killed a shit ton of UMAs last week. How? How has the world changed from that? I'm still optimistic we might see more of those changes, like we did with Insect. There wasn't an implication that nothing has changed, but this chapter didn't feel like anything. Maybe next week, Andy will try to slash and be like, oh shit, I erased that dough. I'll just have to try and sticky stack him. Yeah. <laughs> or them, I should say. They're, they're yes. the Seal does definitely seem it, as if there is deliberate... Uh, gender ambiguity there so yes. 
Um, yeah, I really like the design of this new character, uh, how like their power is just completely bonded with their body, but also in a way that seems like natural. Uh, it's a cool aesthetic. So. Yes. And we have no uh, side series to talk about this week. So we are moving Correct. right on to Eden Zero, Chapter 183, Lelendard. And we have Moscow <laughs> in the cover panel, everyone's favorite character, Nick. Yeah, and this is starting off on a great note. With that. It's <laughs> such a promising chapter once you get down to the end. <laughs> so uh, the main characters, uh, which I like that they don't even kind of acknowledge that this there's not that divide anymore. Like in the same way, like Fairy Tale had to eventually be like, look, there's an A team and a B team. The A team of Eden Zero is like, all right, we're going to be on the planet's surface. Uh, it's going to be, of course, Shiki, Rebecca, Wise, Hamora, Pino, Happy will be there, and Elsie, obviously, not Urza, for this situation. And then everyone else, we need you in air support, I guess, or something like that. Like, Look, we need you to guys be to be flying up there and so that we can occasionally cut to you blowing up ships. Yeah. And that's just it. They do kind of allude to the idea that they might be necessary to help fight against uh, Crow. So yes. we will note that uh, we get a conversation between Hermit and Holy where Hermit's like, yeah, you saw the Warrior 95, right? I'm guessing the night gear on all our ships are, uh, you know, higher performance. And Holy's like, so you'll let me use an Eden Zero night gear. And Holy, uh, Hermit's like, yeah, I mean, you're a member of the crew under Shiki's order, so go for it. And then she she pauses. We see like a dramatic shot of her without her eyes. just saying like, you know, you did background checks on all of us. So I researched everything about your past, too. I, know. I looked you up on Celeb Wiki. Yeah. <laughs> I went to Wiki Feet first, and then I found that it's just pictures of your feet. So that wasn't much of a help. I did save those pictures. Although I was disturbed by how many of them there were. There were like, a lot of them. <laughs> Are there cartoon characters on Wiki Feets? I don't want to uh, look this up to discover it for myself. But I would not be shocked if there is either if if it's not on Wiki Feeds that there is not a separate wiki for cartoon character feeds. There is. It's called it's there is a drawn feet wiki. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um and she just says, I know what Crow did to you, what he took from you, and Holy seems shocked and she says, You should fight. You can only conquer past humiliation by doing it yourself. And Holy says, Thank you. I'm happy you're willing to help. And I really, I desperately, desperately need to beg and plead here. Please do not let the, quote, past humiliation be that Holy was some banner of sex slave to Dead End Crow. It is all I'm asking. I don't, I will give proper marks to whatever. She could be a robot ninja who saw her best robot ninja friend get killed or whatever. I just please... Do not go to that same fucking well again. We get to it and it's like she was made to participate in like Nickelodeon style game shows and she kept Brilliant. on getting slimed over Brilliant. and over again. I mean, she was wearing like a, like a Princess Leia slave bikini the entire time, but she was just getting slimed. So well, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Got to get those ratings up somehow, I guess. I know that's why I watched Nick Arcade for the titillation. Meanwhile, it's just like, I can play Sonic the Hedgehog too. Aww. Oh, man, that's a great show. Nick Arcade is really a classic. <laughs> it's really a treasure. 
Just so you can watch it. Hey, kids, do you want to play this video game in a way it was never meant to be played? <laughs> do you want to be, like, do a crappy green screen video game where you had to dodge things you can't see, like, really, except for a monitor ahead of you? You got to get, like, God. four emblems of power or whatever bullshit it was supposed to be? Good times. It's crazy how unfair this is. <laughs> uh, everyone of the Eden Zero A team is is going down. There's, like, a note of, like, all right. You guys handle the airborne enemy. Uh, not Urza. Jiki, you're going to go down below. Rebecca stops, you know, she starts thinking uh, in this moment. She's like, I'm going to summon a Chronophage. It's going to eat all of Lendard. And wherever I go, the Chronophages follow where where I went. And she stops paying attention and her ship gets hit and starts going into like a, a free fall. She's going to crash. So Jiki jumps out of his ship, goes after her manages to pull her and Rebecca, uh, Rebecca and uh, Happy out before her ship would explode. Uh, but she's knocked unconscious and Shiki is separated from the rest of them. So everyone's like, oh my god, what's happening? What's up? Shiki's like, hey, Rebecca's fine. I think she's unconscious though. Um, they're just like, alright, we'll, we'll have to refigure things out for right now. Um, but hey, she's fine. She, she's like, I'm sorry, I just like momentarily lost track of everything or something like that like I, I just got in my head or something like that and it's like all right it's fine hey we're gonna yeah we'll i'll meet up with notters later and they're like oh but she went ahead like don't worry i don't think we have to worry about her and we cut over as we've we've now delved into the bowels of lendar nick nick this planet we know so much about we're now deep within its core right right Right. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, know so much about the story of this place. Uh, yeah. So Nodders is muttering to herself, Shiki, I understand your plan, but Ziggy is one I must take down myself. The one I'm who sure she'll me. be fine. Yeah. Who taught me the importance of family once we, we find in our crewmates. That one has gone completely mad and out of control. I can't stand him to see, see him like this anymore. I will be the one to... And she, she leaves this tunnel, and suddenly she comes upon a palace that has kind of been built, like, has, like, this futuristic city kind of built over top of it. Like, there's almost, like, weird robotic tendrils kind of going in and out of it. Like, it's, it's definitely, this is a relic of this place before this big robotic planet was, a robotic factory planet was built over top of it. And uh, Nadarza looks around and she starts thinking back, like, I know James, like when she was a kid, I know James, let's kiss. And it's like, well, how could you suggest that, Princess Elsie? And then Ziggy starts walking out and he says, The kingdom of Leonard was once the most prosperous planet in decayed cosmos. But behind that prosperity lurked a human struggle for supremacy and an undying obsession with arms development. How does it feel to be back home, Princess Elsie Lelendard? Which, of course, Nick, is French for Princess Not Urza the Leonard. (laughs) 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 The only joke I wanted to make today, everybody. Good night. Ah, oh, it's the happiest that this that this one stupid story moment could have made me. Uh, 
I don't even want to talk about the fact that they talk like for an entire two more pages after this and it ends in a big face to face confrontation between them. This. So, yeah, OK, whoa, it's, it's Elsie's whole planet that she was part of the royal family. of. All right. And that adds what? <laughs> I think I think we didn't know she was royalty or something like that, because that flashback is yes. something we've seen before. Um, yeah. This is just to give extra context. Um, it also could, seems to kind of like reinforce the idea that Eden Zero is very much on a compressed time pattern going forward. It's like three major characters have been unified and like this is also where uh, Actologia is going to be. And this is also where Holy is going to confront her big foe. And it is also Elsie's home world. Like all these characters have a very significant importance going on in this arc. Um, a lot of stuff's going on. Does this add much? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if this is interesting at all. I feel like Elsie's relationship with Ziggy was about as interesting as it was going to get. Yeah. Also, that name is stupid. Elsie <laughs> <laughs> Le Lendard. <laughs> it's like you're making it up with each word that you say as far as, uh, uh yeah, I'm Princess Elsie. Elsie Lelendard. Elsie Lelendard, yeah. Ah, Miss Lelendard. <laughs> Thank goodness you're unarmed. <laughs> That's Princess Lelendard. Yeah. <laughs> to you. <laughs> there are some extra details that, like, the reason why Lendard originally fell was because they were a very war hungry nation and basically succumb to their own warfaring tragedies. And Elsie has no, like, fond memories to that part. Like, she was openly against how combative her family and everything was. So she does not mourn for her lost country, per se. Um, which I guess could be an interesting wrinkle to their character if we explore it. But as it is now, this was, like, a fairy or an Eden Zero level twist of, like, okay... <laughs> Remember, um, so Elsie says in this chapter, Ziggy is the person who, you know, was like a was like a second father to me. He taught me the importance of of, of family among your found family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that he's completely been corrupted and, and turned against that, I can't allow this anymore. I've got to be the one to stop him. I've got to finish him. Remember how the last confrontation between Elsie and Ziggy went where she was like, I'll let you go just this once. <laughs> now he's like, like, I've got to kill him. I can't let him go any further. All right. I mean, I know that three years have passed for you, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, just unprompted to let him go. And now I'm like, no, I've got to kill him. It's gone too far. It's so weird. Uh, all right. Yeah. <sighs> Eden Zero, fine. Goodbye. Goodbye. Fart, loud fart sound effect. Eden Zero. Recap done. All right. Newer stuff. Akane Banashi. Yay. Story 5. Proper channels. Uh, so we see stuff going on uh, with uh, Giriko. Uh, he is bringing uh, some tea to Master Shiguma, who is... Uh, 
it's it's weird because it's it looks briefly like it's a Rakugo practice for him, but actually he's just reciting what he's going to say to Akane's mother when, when trying to convince her to let Akane do Rakugo. And it's like, okay, that's that's a cute thing. Like it's, you know, a twist on the walking and someone doing Rakugo that we've seen in like yeah. almost every chapter so far in this story. It also um, plays into a very fun idea that he uses his skill to help him navigate conversations he doesn't really want to and wants some experience with. Yeah, and like, I love how he, he keeps practicing the various different ways to introduce himself to Masaki once again. Like, hey, Masaki, sister Masaki. Ah, Masaki! Yeah. <laughs> I just love the idea that he, he's practicing this much. Uh, So... <laughs> Giriko hears the doorbell ring and Chiguma's and be like, she's here! And so Giriko rushes to the door. Oh, quick! Yes, yes! And then Giriko comes back in immediately. It was Peaches! <laughs> Peach delivery arrived. So, uh, she goes like, ha! Ah, when my guest arrives, peel and serve those peaches! <laughs> it's such a... It's such a... Like, it's yeah okay yeah, yeah sure it's an important thing i want to feed my very important guest you know a nice a nice meal but like the fact that he's, it's peaches <laughs> but um so he recalls the conversation he had with akane the day before and how akane was very serious and very humble when asking to join his school and jima said okay yeah yes that is fine with me and of course, Amelia kind of is like, yeah, oh, yes, serious and humble, but I'm just getting started. I can't be celebrating now. Uh, and Shigama then says, I've got a condition. Uh, you have to come here with a parent. Being a Rakugoka is an unstable profession, and any parent is going to be concerned about their child's future in this line of work. Your family has a particular history with this, and there are proper channels you have to go through to become a Rakugoka. And Akane immediately agreed. No problem. So they're now meeting on the next day. And Shigama is reflecting on the fact that it's going to be the first time that he's going to even be seeing Masaki, Akane's mother, since the day that Shinto was expelled from his school. Um, and Masaki came to him and was objecting and teary-eyed, demanding to know why this had happened to her husband. And Shigama is just thinking about this, like, how am I supposed to confront her how am i supposed to face her and say i want to teach her raku and i have been um but uh shortly afterward uh, akane comes in and uh she's got masaki with her and uh so they say like oh it's 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 been a long time uh and uh shigama is a little bit awkward with her to start with and as they get started they're sitting around the table Giriko is serving them peaches and Akane is like, why are these peaches sliced so weird? <laughs> so not the time for this. Uh, Shigama apologizes to Masaki and says, I have been giving Akane Rakugo lessons for the past six years. And part of it was because she was so enthusiastic about it. But the biggest reason was to atone for what happened to Shinta and to try to make her give up on her dream. I had no intention of making her my apprentice, but the more I watched her, the more I began to dream instead. It made me wonder, what kind of Rakugoka will Akane develop into? It shames me to tell you this now. I shouldn't have the right to take a student. I should have told you myself. I'm truly sorry for having kept this a secret from you. And Masaki says, yeah, I already knew that. So wait, what? 
No, in fact, about you, like, immediately she told me. What? She told me. She, she told me that you had been giving your lessons. I, I love it. And he's like, yeah, why would I hide it? <laughs> <laughs> They're a really funny way to take all the drama out of the situation. It's great. We spend a half a chapter building up this potential for drama. It's like, you know, why would she keep it a secret? <laughs> like, why would she be ashamed of that? Yeah. Uh, and uh, Shikuma says, wait, so so you approve of this? And Masaki says, I mean, no, absolutely not. Are you kidding me after what happened to my husband? But look, there's no stopping her. I went against my parents' wishes when I became a beautician. I have to admit, it's in her blood. And I knew that you were taking good care of her. Aww. And most importantly, and also, most importantly, my husband said... Under Master Shigama's care, we have nothing to worry about. And again, keeping Shinta still out of focus uh, as we're kind of slowly working back into the story. The only shots that we see of him are only a small portion of his face. You don't like get to see his eyes, for example. We're not seeing his expression as he says these things. Yeah, I and I we're love, not seeing. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I love that we can see. Uh, the shot, like how she knows she's taking good care of her is because the mom watched basically as he was walking down the street with her, giving her Rakugo lessons, like pretending to like eat and drink. And it's so it's just such a very cute fucking thing that she was like really worried about her daughter. But just like, no, this 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 doof is, is he's, he's taking good care of her. There's nothing to worry yeah. about. And it's like, oh, uh, so Shigma however still decides that there are is a is a proper way to do things and he says well i couldn't protect my pupil from harm so i don't have the right to take another you might think it's a bit late for this but i can tell you now if you put your trust in me again i promise in the humble name of shigama rakawa that i will do everything within my power to make her into a worthy rakugoka and akade also it's you know takes it seriously and she bows and says despite my faults i will become a rakugoka who will do your legacy proud and masaki joins in and says that i leave my daughter in your capable hands so it's all very nice very short and to the point and but was also very effective a lot of nice character moments and also leading things that could be explored more deeply later uh, and the chapter's not over. We still got a couple pages left because uh, Shigama now says, okay, uh, after you graduate school, you'll become my pupil. So that's still like a year off for Akane, I think. Because I think they said she's like 16. So 17, I think. Okay. So maybe it's just the end of the school year then. But she says, okay, so there's three ranks in the Rakugo profession and you ascend them based on your time and skill. There's the training period where you're a Zenza. Then there is Futatsume, which is when you're an accepted Rakugoka, and then you continue honing your skill. And then there's Shinuchi, the top rank, all the masters. And then, because <laughs> this is probably going to be a topic that is, even in Japan, niche, because it's, you know, an old school thing, he breaks it down in terms of, this is what it would be like if it were if it were mangaka ranks. <laughs> and Akane just says, wait, you read manga? <laughs> And it's a great way to give people context. Uh, and uh, Shikama says, so you're not going to officially be joining until next spring. So there we go. But that doesn't mean there's time to waste. Allow me to introduce you. These four are my pupils. So we get a two near two, a, a page and a half spread, let's call it. 
of uh, some much younger looking Rakugoka, who, of course, all have very different looking appearances and seemingly personalities to be introduced to. Uh, and he says, these are all Futatsume, each eccentric in their own way. These four will be responsible for drilling the basics of Rakugo. The training will be rigorous. Can you keep up? To which Akane says, of course. All right, Nick, which one of these four is the most dateable in your mind? Uh, like this is a hmm. visual novel. You've been presented with all four of these as an option. Which path are you pursuing? So ordinarily, I would actually say the guy who's reading, but I don't like the look of his eye. Um, I think that might be glasses, but it honestly looks he looks like he might have like some circles around his eyes, too. Yeah. So I don't know about that. That, that. that makes me think like, OK, now nah, this guy needs more sleep. He needs to take care of himself better. So I'm, I'm going to stay with that. Uh, the guy playing with his hair. I don't know. A little bit. He's a little bit too confident himself. He's going to try and take advantage of me. That's what I know? want. I want him to take advantage of me. No, 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 no. no I got to have stability. Uh, so I'm well, you're thinking like playing a visual novel to fucking marry them. I want to go for a goddamn ride. I don't. I want a good ending. <laughs> G.E. Uh I'm going to go with the tracksuit guy because I think that he thinks that he's a stone cold badass who's dangerous and stuff. But deep down, he's a real softy. What about the bald guy? He seems like he'd be really nice. Okay. Probably okay. Be secondary like, option. A safe, secondary a safe fallback in case you get you start getting into this and you're like, I don't really like this guy so much. He'd probably harp on me for brushing my teeth wrong. Though, yeah, so. probably. Uh, I was confused uh, because I was like. I thought this motherfucker said he didn't take new disciples. And then he's like, and then here are my four. four. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit of a, I guess that they were just at um, a rank where he could keep, and they were probably already his disciples. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. He's like, these guys have been under him for a while now. And that's, that's why I think it's more specifically taking a Kane on as a formal disciple is the thing. He's like, I don't feel like I have the, the uh, uh, honor to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. But I like that. I like this chapter a lot. I really, really like uh, Suguma. I thought he's a great mentor. I like how much, how much you could tell he cares, and how yeah. much you can see he really is struggling about this and how difficult it is for him, and how he ultimately does have Akane's interest at heart. And I, 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 I just found him to be a very admirable character who I liked a lot. Yeah. It's uh, it was nice to have that build up and then just go yeah no we're not doing that it's fine it's <laughs> uh in a way i don't i can't recall too many like you know comedic takes on in that form so exactly all right uh, Doron. diet diet world trigger nick let's do it Doron. chapter 14 plot oh man it finally came by the plot so we got to it uh right on time. okay hang on i'm remembering i'm remembering what happens in this chapter so uh there's the punching machine from the uh majin buu arc you know of dragon ball z where you know they, they punch it and the if you punch it hard then it lets you in the tournament because that's the best way to determine how skilled a fighter you are Maybe that was just an anime-only thing. I don't know. It seems like a very filler I, detail. I haven't gotten to the the manga part of that yet to know if that's in there, but I believe they do the same thing in... Uh, oh, God, what is her name? Genkei from Yu Hakusho? In her arc, she does something similar where it's like... You have to, Genkai. Genkai. Yeah, yeah. The, the, 
uh, with uh, her different arcade machines that measure your spirit power. Yeah. yeah, she does have a punching machine. Yes, yes. So, uh, so um, it measures your spirit power, and uh, scouter numbers go up. Uh, <laughs> Sam, uh, this number for cadets, this number for troopers. Oh man, Toma rival guy has a pretty high output when he attacks the flame thing, and. Uh, Lute- Uji, Uji lieutenant guy is like, oh, I wanted to impress everyone. But then Kusanagi and Dora go to demonstrate their power with their new I give you my spirit power by standing on your head thing. And Dora attacks it. And oh, man, it's like twice as high as as Toma's was. Uh, and Uji's like, oh, man, he sure is strong. But then the measurement device goes error and it explodes which is weird that it was able to measure it first and then it went air. I don't, I don't know. So he's strong. Remember, like uh, you've like used a food scale and you put something too heavy on it and it like the numbers started shooting up and then eventually it was like, no, this is too heavy for me. Phew. Well, normally when I put the food on there, it doesn't go, this weighs exactly 9.7 kilograms. Wait, I don't know how heavy it is. So. <laughs> it starts exploding. <laughs> starts screaming, how much, how much? Uh, a, a samurai cadet guy with uh, with long hair. He goes a Mononoke and a human. That's so cool. And his eyes are sparkling. I wonder. I I I honestly hope that this guy never shows up again. And we just like zoomed in on this guy for no reason other than to have, for him to push the point that Dora and Kusanaki are cool, and then we just forget about him. But now he's probably that gonna like show up soon. Sounds about right. <laughs> Anyway, on to a, a different thing. It's a different thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, um, the 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 humanoid Mononoke from before, he has joined with uh, his comrade peoples, yes. including uh, uh, so there's Yoshihime who called to him, and uh, this is a a a, a she she has the appearance of like a of a smaller woman, and she's got a kimono with a sash that's got a spider web pattern on it. So presumably she is responsible for all the spider webs that are surrounding their base. Just just a, just a guess there. I want to know. Guess. So he shows up and like breaks a post, and she says, "Ooh, scary! Did you break that post to scare me? That's so cute." And we're introduced to this character now. This visual isn't great for the people who are just listening to this podcast in the audio form. But just note, like, think of a scale. Like, at the very top, that's where, like, oh, man, I'm super excited for this character. She didn't start that high. She started, like, right here. Like, halfway. Ooh, scary. Halfway down that list. But I was like, all right, I'm still kind of intrigued. Every time she talked in this chapter, my interest for her dropped just steadily. Like, progressively, with every single line of dialogue she had, she just got less and less interesting to us. Like, nope, don't care. I hope she gets exploded next week. I don't care at all. I think that what got to me is after she stops going on about cute and scary things, she calls out to Tamimon, who is this big drinking demon guy who drinks from a big old sake dish and says, well, let's share a drink and that'll solve everything. And she says, that's all you ever say, Tame-chan. Okay. Just drop yeah. it a little bit lower. Yeah. That's all you ever say. Um, I do and, like the uh, they... calling attention to how one-noted villains are. 
<laughs> you got to give them their they, villain uh, arc. Yep. They uh, repeat uh, their gimmicks for a bit. And then we see that there are a bunch of humans imprisoned by spider webs and stuff, including a samurai cadet guy who says to one of the kids, don't worry, I'll protect you. I'm a samurai after all. And then he immediately shouts out through the covers. Hey, can you let the kids go, please? Please? I'll protect you. We won't tell anyone. (laughs) Come on. I'll be your friend. (laughs) I'll let you play with my my Power Rangers. (laughs) I'll text you every day. I'll follow you. I'll follow you on Twitter and all your social medias. Just let us go. I mean, I'll... I mean, I don't have a Twitter, but can you loan me your phone? I'll make a Twitter account. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, dude. Come on. Just let us go. You'd be really cool if you did that. Come on. All the cool people let all their prisoners go, you know. You suck. You're not not cool. I don't want to be your friend anymore. Come on. You used to be fun, (laughs) Tama-chan. But all you ever do is drink. That's all you ever say. <laughs> it's really we've gone through the whole relationship with this character. He's turned on him. You drink too much. <laughs> it's the problem with everything. You're tearing your family apart. Anyway, he calls out to Hidehisa, uh, trying to make a point, and then he says, I'll do anything in my power, please. And Hidehisa says, then quell my anger. <gasps> It's supposed to be this really horrifying scene because we just got to know that there's like sad crying children in there and then they all get just eviscerated. But because the scene has no dramatic tension, it's just kind of funny. Like, like come on, Honestly, let the part us that all gets go. me like no bro. So two things. I didn't know Hidehisa was supposed to be angry. I thought he was just fight happy. That's what I th- the what I thought his gimmick was from his previous appearance. So it's a little bit weird for him to go, I'm angry all the time. I just kill for no reason because I'm angry when it's like, I thought he was like looking for entertainment, whatever. Uh, but he shoots them all. And there is honestly like a comical take because everyone's eyes are just kind of wide as they gape and, and the light rushes towards them and they're like, oh, oh, he's killing us. <laughs> huh. I don't think he's letting us go. <laughs> oh, hold on. Maybe this is how he gets rid of doors, guys. Ah! Maybe these spider webs are a lot stronger than we thought. <laughs> oh, they were really weak. Why didn't we just try and run through them? <laughs> so he kills all the people to which uh, to to Tamemon chops him over the head. It's like, why'd you kill my snacks? I'll kill you. And Hideisa says, a minute ago, you were laughing. And now you're angry? This is why I hate drunks. He just told you why he was angry. You did a very extreme thing. <laughs> like, well, I love it. And the fucking samurai cadet's like, I gotta get out of here. Like, how did he survive? Oh, it's a good like, thing I used that kid I promised I'd protect. It's a human shield. <laughs> that would be the best in his last moments. He just grabbed all the kids like, your sacrifice won't be in vain. <laughs> I'll you get crushed a second later. And then he's like holding up the the kids like, I don't know. It's, 
his his torso, whatever's left of it. He's like, don't worry, I'll get your remains back to your family. Uh, that one's still alive. Protect me, corpse of child. <laughs> oh no, he's got. Oh, I, I, well, we'll never be able to identify him now. Oh well. <laughs> yeah, I guess the idea being that he's a he, he has a samurai, so he has the barest amount of training to block a little bit of damage. But it's, right. it is very amusing because this dude's so pathetic that it's like <laughs> seeing him survive just so he can get crushed by the next demon a couple seconds later is very hilarious to me. Like this is like the poor schmuck who just can't catch a break. So, yeah, Tamaimon runs after him and he's like, stop. And when he tries to grab him, he splats him like a bug and just goes, oops. So he's super strong and he's like, ha ha. You killed it, you moron. Yes, that is what happened. Yes. You could still eat the body. Come on. Uh, And that leads to the entrance of seemingly the primary villain of the group. So. Chris, you've read Demon Slayer now. Yes. What what did you think of of the villain of that series? Boozin? Um, yeah, he wasn't great for a while, but I think by the end, he actually became a pretty compelling character. Okay, well, so Muzin shows up uh, <laughs> and uh, is says, well, diet, f- diet, Muzin, I guess. <laughs> diet, caffeine free, uncarbonated Muzin. Mm, flat uh, Muzin. <laughs> Muzin, you've left outside for a little bit too long. <laughs> Muzin, who decided, you know what, looking like Michael Jackson in order to be creepy, that's just too much trouble. I'm just going to, I don't know, like wear this thing in my ear in my ear or something. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, uh, they say, don't forget why we're hiding out in this remote area. We don't want the samurai to be on to us. And then Hidehisa and Maimon point at each other and go, it was his fault. And then Yoshihime goes, Stop fighting over me, you two. Dropped right there. Just keeps plummeting every time she opens her mouth that says a line of dialogue. Yep. So Kanbei, who is the the primary villain looking person, says, if we lose fighting power, we've got problems. So calm yourselves. To which Yoshihime says, I'm such a sinful woman causing problems. Just what? It's barely on the scale anymore. You can barely even tell there's an interest (laughs) in her at this point. Uh, Hidehisa and Tamemon are like, oh, I could kill people and stuff. It's fine. But Kanbei says samurai officers are a totally different thing. We've learned that the one Hidehisa confronted was one. He was tough, wasn't he? And Hidehisa says, I mean, I would have killed him if Yoshihime hadn't interfered. Okay. <laughs> Kanbei says, there are seven samurai officers at their headquarters. We'll draw them out one by one and kill them. This is for is our it's for our justice. <laughs> like the, please he's, follow he's orders. Messing up the this speech too. He's like this time it'll be for our ju- it'll be for it be will for, be our, no. it will be for our justice. It'll be for our justice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it'll twill be twill with twill. Twill? Twill? Is that a twill? Was that a Shakespeare thing or a real thing? It twill? All of you pay attention to me. Shut up. Someone get a phone out. 
Did we blow up all the phones that we killed with everybody? It twill. Just type it. Is that a phrase? It twill. Uh, actually, the landline still doesn't work. What? Didn't we call that repairman? Yeah, but then we, like, threw him in the spider prison and then shot him and then splotched him and ate him and then complained that he didn't find us attractive. Well, that just feels like a flaw in our system. I mean, he did everything. He was here. He had his tools. This We let him down at this point, guys. You know what? Honestly, I don't need three super awesome, powerful Mononoke on my side. I just need, like, one repairman who just, you know, is, like, dedicated to his trade and will, like, get the job done. And also has, like, a good amount of, like, you know, customer service skills, you know, so that, you know, he'll, like, keep you informed, let you know what he's doing and stuff. It doesn't, like, you know, rearrange your room too much when he's doing his work. You know, that's nice, too. You know, you know, like, if he's, like, taking a break, maybe we could have a nice, chill conversation and stuff. You know what? I'm killing all three of you and getting some and just going to call up the nearest nearest phone service I'm going to put a memorial to him. I'm going to get a grave stone i'll write the epitaph right now he whom was the best of us was it whomst is it whom or who oh god damn it it's happening again <laughs> anyway that's that's, that's <laughs> oh every week i try to think of what series we can place in that series but maybe if we can have more fun with the series like that we'll stick around yeah nick it's pa 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 Yes, which means that I have a puzzle for you. Chris. I may have one for you too, if you want. All right, uh, I, I get a, I've got a, I've got an instinct. Okay, but uh, but uh, I'll, I'll start us off this time okay. since you went first last time. All right, pernicious person portends pristine planetary party. Pernicious. I had to remember what pernicious meant. Having a harmful effect. Harmful person. Pristine planetary party. Had to be like an eco party, right? No, no. Pristine planetary. Unless it's like a like a championship party. Mm. Like a world like a world party. Mm. Oh. On the right track. Someone who crashed mm-hmm. a party in a very particular mm-hmm. way. No. 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 Hmm. Huh, 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 huh. You've gotten one of the words already, basically. Like global? Yes, like that. Global party. A worldly party. Mm-hmm pristine like a fancy world party uh pristine's got another definition a clean world party no no a spotless world party like a more like a fresh world party like a new world order mm-hmm. who Oh, I have to remember what portends means. There you go. I think I... Nope, I typed out protend. That's why I wasn't getting those. (laughs) Protend. I'm a pro at pretending. A calamity. Who brought... Is it Scott Hall? No. It is Scott Hall. It's Scott Hall. There we go. Pernicious pernicious person means... The uh, bad guy. Bad guy, yeah. Yeah. Mine is not... 
for those of you who are unfamiliar with with Scott Hall, he uh, sadly passed uh, after uh, health complications this past weekend. Yes. Uh, but uh, he was a very cool person who went through some really hard times and fortunately was managed to get his life together with uh, with some help uh, a few years ago. He so. thankfully got to spend uh, quite a few years having to recover from what was otherwise a pretty dark place in his life. So mm. uh, I have another one. It's not it's not Scott Hall, though. Okay. Uh, Pioneer. Mm. Prince and Puncture's preposterous personal picture. Pioneers. Pioneer. Singular. Mm -hmm. Prince and Puncture's preposterous personal picture. Preposterous personal picture. Personal picture. Pioneer Prince. Prince. Pioneer Prince. And punctures. Preposterous personal picture. I'm confused by the and punctures part. So. Well, thank Pioneer you. Prince yeah. and punctures. Yeah, prince and punctures. Prince. 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 Okay. Yeah, prince. Okay. Like I was thinking prince. like royal prince. No, so. no, sorry. Prince. Yeah creates and then punctures a preposterous personal picture a pioneer print pictures of personal picture a preposterous personal picture so like a, like a portrait or like a Hmm. A pioneer does this, though. So what kind of uh, picture? Yeah, that's the part that I'm getting. What kind of picture would you print and puncture? Or, Or print and puncture? So... I keep on thinking of like, you know, shoving like something through a picture, like stabbing it. What's what's a what's a picture that you have to puncture to get? Like a stamp. You could say that there's there's a particular kind of way you make an image by puncturing something. Really? Yeah. All right. So what, what would you puncture with, Nick? A, a knife, a needle, oh, a tattoo. Okay. A tattoo. Okay. Pioneer, preposterous personal picture. A tattoo. A tattoo that is. Oh my God, it's Cody. <laughs> yep. You got it. <laughs> that is also quite, uh, quite uh, uh, timely. <laughs> I like all those people are like, Cody's going to show up on Raw. He's going to show up. Where's Cody? I love that there is now in the middle of our recap, like a five minute section where people are like, I guess I'll just fast forward because I have no idea what you two are talking about. Oh, man. Oh, God. <laughs> That was a very good one. I give you mad props for that one. That was a good. I think we both had very good ones this week. All right. Oh, tune in next week, wrestling fans, for the five minutes of the show that we talk about. (laughs)
<laughs> Some would say the best five minutes of weekly. Mockery. We just concentrate everything down. All right. <laughs> PPP, PPP. Chapter 24. That child. <laughs> I'm constantly be- just befuddled whenever this character just shows up with their giant eyes. <laughs> it just always takes me aback to see them. It's the uh, the the president uh, of the academy. And they, they essentially just are like talking about like, yeah, so Mamin has passed preliminaries. Um, I kind of figured that something like this would happen because of Gakuan Otogami's power. And... And she's just like, why do we even have rules? And she, everyone's just looking at the one judge who is like, oh, yeah, I, I'm sponsored by Gokunokami. Uh, so <clears throat> uh, they also bring up like, oh, man, the director's great. She'd be best in the, in Japan if it wasn't for Gokunokami. All right. Good to know. I don't know if that's ever going to actually be relevant to the story. <laughs> Uh, they, uh, everyone is just like super apologetic for the one judge who's ruined the competition gets like, oh yeah, I'm so sorry. We've sullied the reputation and the director's like, whatever. All right, let's just move on because, Hey, Lucky Sonoda gave a vision to a bunch of journalists that his father is a, an incredibly abusive asshole. And now they're all making a fuss, wondering if there were seven Otogami uh, uh, siblings instead of six. So what's going on with that kid? And apparently he also made it into the next round of the uh, tournament. So, yep. Uh, the pap- the paparazzi uh, has gathered. And uh, they are kind of they immediately recognize Lucky because they're like, hey, that kid's hair looks stupid. That must be him. And they just start swarming him, asking him questions. And they're like, hey, is it true that, you know, you're one of the, the Otogami siblings or you were abandoned by Gakuen Otogami? And he's just kind of briefly like, uh, and then just gets led away by Dada Sensei. Um, and um, he, they're just going to have to go, oh, wow, I guess that this is, you know, serious. It's like people are taking notice of this now. And Dada Sensei says, well, now that you've told everyone, we won't, he can't banish you so quickly. Uh, that would look good. And if you win against Mimin Orogami, then the Orogamis will find themselves in a bad position. And uh, the finalists of the tournament are announced to be uh, Lucky, Mimin, and Maloli, whose performance we didn't get to see. So I <laughs> guess that's... <laughs> She was just good. We saw she made a mistake, so I'm actually surprised she moved on. That was Furusu who made the mistake. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot there's another character. (laughs) There's a shocking number of characters in this series, actually, when you think about it. Um, Lucky is like, oh, I'm happy, but I don't know. something, Something feels off about this. Uh, and Dada Sensei says that the tournament finals are not until October. So, all right, I guess we've got a little bit of time to build this up because, you know, it takes more than just like a week's training to get good at playing the piano, kid. So, uh, and he says, if everyone can experience your pathetic, then we'll win. And at that moment, we cut to the cowardly lion from The Wizard of Oz, who... <laughs> Have we seen this character before? This with this 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 man with this incredible beard. This is a new dude. 
This is a, a, a Fang dude, so Molderman, I'm sure, is very excited. This is, this is always his bread and butter. He loves Fang, so I just assume this character is right in his wheelhouse. He's already trying to, uh, I don't know what you, you I guess, propose that a, a VTuber takes on this identity as their new thing. Like, hello, I'm Furry Angry Fang Man, and I'm here to play Elden Ring, or whatever VTubers do. I don't know. <laughs> I guess do jumping jacks or something. I don't, I really don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what what they do. Hey, I'm here. I'm a VTuber. Watch me prepare my taxes. <laughs> In my mind, VTubers have to constantly reinforce who they are to the audience. Hey, it's me. I'm a VTuber. I'm going to I'm going to Steve's now. That's you. <laughs> um, and uh, so. This character, whose name is Mr. Crescendo, which is a great name, independent of the music gimmick of this series. I was going to say, so many people have like just musical puns for names and things like that. Did it really? I don't know why I was so tickled when he was like, ah, Mr. Crescendo from <laughs> Crescendo Corp, you're here. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, what's his name? Also, he says, Mr. Crescendo. You're the chairman of Golden Crescendo Software. Please speak in a calmer manner and stop raising your voice. It's like, are you saying that because he is a chairman that he need that it's not becoming of him to raise his voice? I guess. I don't know. It feels like a lot of people in rich positions just do whatever the fuck they want. So, especially you, Gakwan, yeah. child slapper. Screw you. So... Uh, and Mr. Crescendo says, well, I can pay off the tabloids and, you know, you can just say, well, only six children were able to make their debut. So for business reasons, we just called them six tablets and that's it. You know, you've, you look, you've got to respond to this. We've solved the problem. <laughs> but then he just says, I mean, if you play the piano, we'll just show up anyways. <laughs> you are a, a freaking hypnotist with that thing. Yeah. Uh, Gakuan is just like, I don't care about the media, whatever. The question is, why did the media begin to look into that child? That's cool. Calls his own son that child. What an asshole. Uh, but he directs this question towards Mimin, who is there. And she says, like I said, there was bread and you could hold it in your hands. I do love that that's how she describes her <laughs> surprises. He's like, there was bread and I felt like I was eating it. And then you uh, slapped me. Yeah. And Gakwan's like, what, because he was playing the piano? Yeah. And then you slapped me. And Gakwan goes, I see. Such a terrifying dude. <laughs> so he tells her to return to Japan and says, I will not tolerate any breaking of the rules again. And Mr. Crescendo says, yeah, your, your father's right, Miss Mimin. Don't do anything stupid and throw dirt on your father's reputation. You know, like playing a song about how your brother got slapped. My brother got slapped <laughs> repeatedly by our father and all of us. We all got slapped <laughs> by him, slapped by... Our dad's a piece of shit. A shit. A shit. A shit. Shit. I like you're not supposed to sing. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm a in. I do whatever I want. <laughs> it's like, fuck the rules. You can't stop me. 
It's flipping everyone off while playing the piano with her elbows. <laughs> the half second of me flipping off the camera is going to get her video flagged on YouTube. <laughs> uh, so my man walks out of the room and we'd get a full page spread of her just outside the door just saying, this is such a drag. This sucks. I hate this. This sucks. Uh, but then she just lays out to herself, when I play freely, they tell me to play properly. If I play properly, they tell me to follow the rules. <sighs> and I missed Melolian's performance because I got called back to Italy. <sighs> Melolian, my fairy. And that's the end of the chapter. That so is. very, very sudden stop to it. But we are getting continuing to get focus on on Mimin uh, and her weird turmoil that she's going through. Yeah, I think it's some very good stuff going on there. All right, Nick. All right, like uh, Gok One, our one of our first major scenes with Gok One, where he's just a douchebag and a creeper. So. There's literally not been a single moment of him that's even been even remotely redeeming. I kind of feel like he's a lot like early Azami from Food Wars. So I'm just waiting till the scene where he skis down a mountainside, like, oh, hello, <laughs> fellow kids. And suddenly all the tension is removed from the character. <laughs> like he just shows up on like a Segway, like, I'm here to watch the performance. <laughs> You know that uh, the expression jump the shark happened because Fozzie was water skiing and he jumps over a shark. You mean Fozzie? So it is. Fo- I, did I say Fozzie? You said Fozzie. Fozzie's never and jumped I, the shark. I'll have you know. I was going to say, I really like the idea of Fozzie Bear jumping to sharks and everyone was Where? like, This is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Tell jokes. <laughs> um, the Muppets anyway. have always been more grounded. You've gone too far. <laughs> no. Get to the guy who fires himself out of a cannon. <laughs> no, it's just them going, you're jumping the shark. Boo. Boo. <laughs> um, my point was that, yeah. So the part that, you know, that that expression is associated with happens in a skiing scene. And apparently a zombie's was also a skiing scene. So weird. All right, we don't have Dr. Stone anymore, so it's your turn. Yeah, we're going to go right over to Mashal Nick. Magic and Muscles, Chapter 100, Mash Burn Dead, and the Strongest Assassin. So we introduced with the narration that introduced the Devil's Quintuplets. At present, five sons are with Innocent Zero. Domina is the fifth among them. All five possess a frightening level of magic power. The eldest is the strongest, the second eldest, the second strongest, and so on. And Mash opens the chapter with basically the one joke of the chapter by being like, there's no one to you guys. Uh, there are so many villains for me to have to deal with. Innocent Zero says, you want the wand of beginnings, defeat Doom, and I'll let you have this. Doom's like, are you sure about this, Dad? And Innocent Zero just says, give him a light sample of your power. Mash is like, oh, a light sample? Uh, but Doom seems pretty confident. And he says, all right, I guess you beating Domino wasn't a fluke. I think I might enjoy this. So let's start at 20%. And he goes in, he starts fighting and, you know, Mash is dodging him and this guy's dodging him. There's a bunch of like combat, like dodge effects going on. They're very even. Uh, Domino's watching on being like, oh, it's like their art in motion. And then Mash manages to get a shot in and connects. And uh, Doom's like, not bad. You're quick. You should be able to handle me at 30%. Don't disappoint me. And boom, now he's even faster. He's basically at Mash's speed now at this point. This is crazy. 
and we get more narration about Doom. He was chosen by one of the 13 Master Canes. And Domino's like, oh, Mashburn dead may be fast and strong, but Doom's Master Cain lets him unleash magic power that pushes him beyond his earthly limits. That is the blessing of the Cain. And Doom drops his big crazy sword and goes for like a test of might, essentially, with Mash, and they clash in the middle. And the, the whole arena starts to explode at the power, but he manages to toss Mash away. And Mash drops his weights, and he's, he's even faster now. And like, oh, wow, he's dodging all these things. Do Doom has to go up to 50% of his, his output. He's like, I've got a good grasp on your power. This is the end. And then Mash is going in with a punch from the left side. He didn't even see it coming, and he even thinks, like, oh, he caught up with me at 50%. This is incredible. I can't believe it. I can't believe he's... And then Mash has been cut. And his blade, the blade is just like sunk into his shoulder as Doom just says, I can't believe he forced me to use my magic. You did well considering you have none of your own, but you still don't stand a chance. I wish he had ended it with, you don't stand a ghost of a chance, which doesn't make sense because he's not supposed to be a ghost, but that's that's like a trademark line in my mind. Chapter 100. <laughs> it's fine. Doom is a, a, a character. <laughs> I guess that's my review of the chapter. He's a character. Doom is a character. He, he seems like he could be kind of cool. Um, this is a cool Jonin moment. It's just I'm not quite sold on this character yet. Mm -hmm. And we just got through... We, we've been in a pretty long stretch of MASH kind of being a serious series, and MASH is at its strongest when it jumps back and forth between being very serious and then just taking the piss out of its own concept. It makes sense for a Chapter 100 to do something big. Not all series do it, but some of them do. And it's a pretty big one. MASH presumably has just lost. Like, the way this entire scene is constructed, he kind of has to lose here, or else he just beats the bad guy and the series ends. And since Komodo was quoted recently as saying... Oops, I apologize for saying the series was almost halfway over. It's not. It's going to be a longer series than I thought. Like, clearly there's a lot lot of stuff to still do. So it makes sense for MASH to lose here. Um, which could be a pretty significant, like, chapter 100 tag. I kind of wish that instead of uh, Doom having this gimmick of, like, well, I guess I'll use my next, you know, percentage of power or whatever... That instead it was given to just a joke character. So he'd be like, oh, well, I guess I'll have to use 80% of my power. And MASH keeps on beating him up. And he's like, then I'll have to use 100% of my power. And MASH keeps beating him up. And he's like, I'll have to use 200% of my And MASH just punches him once and beats him. Like, it, I, I kept on waiting for, like, something else to happen than just, well, I'll just use more of my strength. And, well just kind of keeping even with mash and that's just it it's just a very straightforward the villain is only using a small percentage of their power gimmick in the very straightforward way that you've seen a lot of shonen series and it's just kind of it and then eventually he uses magic and oh look mash uh, you got hurt and that's just kind of it so it's not right all right it's so. fine Let's move on to the Elusive Samurai, Chapter 51, Scanner 1335. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so Tokyoki's uncle and uh, this, uh, this this governor guy are like, 
Yeah, we're going to kill the Mikado. <laughs> we're going to drop him through this pit and shish kebab him. Uh, and Genba says, like, I mean, you guys know that killing the Mikado was, was a serious crime, right? And Tokyoki's uncle says, we of Kamakura never officially recognized the current Mikado. Killing a false Mikado is a treason. And at present, the Mikado rules by fiat. With him gone, Kyo will fall into chaos. We can use that moment to raise armies throughout the land and seize power. Uh, Shizuku speaks up and she says, I suspect if we carry out that plan, a golden temple will stand on this very spot, which is a very ominous and not at all helpful wording for her prediction, which I'm sure is the point of it. Uh, but governor guy's just like, oh, I like the sound of that. Yeah. Golden temple. Sounds good. They're like, yeah, we're going to flourish up to kill the Mikado. Hell yeah. But after they leave, Ibuki just turns to everyone else and says, we've got to stop them. If we kill the Mikado, that'd be so bad because everyone will be so pissed at us. All of our allies will turn against us. The Hojo name will be disgraced for a thousand years. And Tokyuki just sighs in relief. And he's like, oh, 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 yeah, I should explain. Yeah, Yorishige Dono told me before we left. I will not reveal Yasuye-sama's plan yet. But it is certain to fail. That is the future I see. Even if the plan fails, Kyoto will fall into great, into great chaos, providing an optimum moment for launching our offensive. The elusive warrior's mission after the plan fails is to help Yasuye flee to Shinano. And so Tokiki's like, oh, good. So we know this plan won't work, and then we just have to get him to safety. So that's fine. We, you know, we, know, I know now that the Mikado is not going to get killed, and I just have to plan to get this guy to safety. That's fine. I'm sure that attempted assassination won't be a problem at all. You know, but don't worry about that. Uh, they also already have horses arranged to get them to Shinano. They just have to plan an escape route, and so Tokiyuki says, "And I'll do that tomorrow." Uh, Ayako says, "Oh, we have plans to meet up with Mima, though." And Shizuku says, yeah, I'll, I'll go to see her and just tell her we can't go. Because if Tokiyuki goes, that she'll see right through him because he's too honest. That's, yes, true. And we immediately cut to that scene. She's like, yeah, he's in bed with the fever. And Mima is actually kind of apologetic. She's like, oh, did you get tired because I was dragging him around? Oh. Uh, and then she says, hey, Shizuku, who is that boy really? And Shizuku lies through her smile and says, oh, he's just a chief shrine guard's son. And Mima looks at her and is like, I can't read you either. So just as unreadable as Mima's father is. Uh, but Shizuku also says, yeah, Tokyuki sent a gift to show uh, to give for us to, you know, give, give you thanks for being our tour guide. And she's like, oh, is it a comb? Is it a mirror? It's some shish kebab crickets. Which. Like, cool. <laughs> Uh, Tokyuki goes about playing an escape route. Uh, he finds one that where there aren't a lot of people to get in the way and uh, uh, there's kind of rubble strewn in places so there's places for cover and stuff and he's just like, yay! Planning to run for our lives. Do, 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 do. Has having a great time. Uh, but uh, then as they're doing this, someone speaks to Tokyuki and the others and says, oh, do you like this escape route, boy? My discerning eye appreciates it too. And he's this kind of hunched over, somewhat 
old looking uh, warrior who's kind of squinting and pursing his lips and stuff. And he's kind of bobbing his head back and forth as he looks at people. And he says, oh, are you the child of a warrior from nearby? And Toki is like, no, I'm why is this guy bobbing his head back and forth like this? And Kojiro says, hey, we should go because I know he's like bobbing his head and he looks kind of weak, but he's probably in the Mikado side. So we got to get out of here. So they turn to leave and Tokyuki goes to uh, look at the map that Shizuku has. But as he approaches her, he sees in her tiara. I'm not sure what the exact term for this head ornament is. He sees the reflection of the warrior from behind them who is staring at them very intently and seriously. And so Tokyuki snaps around to look at him and he's back to looking all humble and weak. And Tokyuki suddenly realizes, oh, the way that he's bowing and glancing around is actually to generate three-dimensional measurement of all of our builds and postures and stride length from all angles. Even when confronting a child, I must be ready to escape. The boy's stance is perfect for fleeing! They have taken an interest in each other because they see in each other this guy runs away good this like me. This guy's real good at being evasive. And Tokyuki even says to himself, if I were in an escape contest with this man, I just might lose. Oh, and it's like they're like facing off with each other. Huge auras. I'm going to run away. Um, to which Gemba says, I sense an extremely advanced and ridiculous rivalry. Uh, the warrior introduces himself. And says, I am Kusunoki Masashige, a petty official from a local clan. But everyone there recognizes the name because that's the name of the war god, Kratos. I mean, Kusunoki. Uh, And they list off his accomplishments, how he defeated the Kamakura's armies with inferior numbers. How he's one of the most, the foremost tactical geniuses in Japan. The hero of many legends. And so Kojiro again is like, yeah, we should go before he can identify you. But Holy so, shit, Nick, that's a real guy. Yeah. A lot of these people in this series are <laughs> I like the idea. <laughs> like fucking 30 or whatever, 50 chapters into the series. I'm like, holy shit, Nick, dude, some of these are real people. <laughs> <laughs> so Tokyuki, however, refuses to leave. And he says to Kusunoki, a man named Shokan spoke highly of your military prowess. And after a moment's thinking, Kusunoki recognizes the name. And he's like, oh, yeah, bald warlord, weird eyes, real scumbag, which, yeah, yeah fair enough. Um, uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, I used a fake body to fake his death and help him escape. Is he doing well? Doki is like, yeah, I tried to kill him, but he survived. <laughs> so... Kusunoki says, well, a rascal like that is sure to meet his match eventually, but I'm glad he's alive for now. So, what do you want from me? And Tokyuki says, well, just now you took a risk in, or rather, he says, you just took a risk in revealing information about yourself. But I suspect you prize your survival above all else, just like me. You must want something from me so badly that you would bare your breast to get it. And Tokyuki just thinks to himself, I feel an affinity with this man. We're on opposite sides, but I feel 
like I should learn from him. And he, he just says this to Kusunoki. I have to defeat my enemies, but they're better than me in strategy and skill and numbers. And I don't think I can just beat them by running away. So Kusunoki says, very well, mysterious boy. Do you have the courage to come alone to my residence? This is a cool character intro. Yeah. I think it's a good way to introduce this character. It's kind of interesting. It's good stuff. I like it. Yeah. All right. Black Clover. Let's talk about Black Clover, Nick. Page 326. Brothers. Uh, and we get a cool uh, cover page or color page uh, with uh, basically the four main characters who are left in like cool color poses. And uh, we see like a split dichotomy between Asta and Yuno and uh, uh, Nature Boy Flair and uh, Yami. I forgot his name and almost called him Yuno. <laughs> uh, Another Yuno. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm going to be 100% honest with you, Nick. Uh, this chapter is pretty uh, incomprehensible. I I, I, I I don't know what happens. Uh, some action. Uh, I think Yami and Nature Boric Flare do a combo spell that allows them to both do something and slash, but they both just get hit, I believe, because Lucifero grows more arms behind him and just punches straight through them. And I think you know already got taken down. I guess. I think. I think he used his magic to do that. That's that's, that's where the chapter begins. Is yeah. that you know is collapsing? So. Yeah, he, he used his magic basically to get um, yeah, what's his name, Yami in there, so that they could do it. Because he said he was going to trust that uh, the the sword was going to do it. But I don't know. It's hard to kind of tell exactly what happened. Uh, Lucifer was like, cool, I win now, and goes to punch Asta. And we you thought I couldn't punch all four of you? Turns out I have more fists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we go into the flashback. Uh, Sabretooth starts thinking, I'm so sorry, Itchy and Scratchy. And uh, <laughs> goes through his giant flashback about how Itchy and Scratchy was like a mom to him, and they killed Itchy and Scratchy, which is very sad and tragic. Uh, Sabretooth's really upset about this. And uh, he's like, oh, what was it all for? Itchy and Scratchy was killed. I spent all that time in the Grimmar. I cursed the devils that won my anti-magic. But in the end, it wasn't enough to beat Lucifero. This sucks. My mom, Lucita's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he, he just keeps thinking to himself, if she hadn't met me, she wouldn't have died. I'm so sorry, mom. I'm so sorry. This is my fault. And Asta walks up. It's like Asta is like a small child. He's like, oh, Sabretooth, I didn't know anything about your pain. Yeah, I wasn't the only one who, you know, I was the only one who couldn't use magic and it, it hurt. But that's, you know, what brought us together. And, you know, your anger and sadness and pain, they, they gave me strength. So thank you. And we see Asta has now grown up a little bit more. And this is him when he just first basically joined the Black Bulls and had like his headband and everything. And he's like, you know, I'm really lucky I met you. And now he's even grown up more and he's, he's wearing the cloak of the Black Bulls and everything like that. And he says, I have nothing left, but let me fight with you. If we're together, we can do this. And Sabretooth's like, yeah, right now, I'm not alone. And together in unison, they say, let's go, brother. And then we see Lucifero's fist stop against like a, a black blade. And he just says, so what if you're the king of devils? How dare you kill my partner's mom? 
Yeah, it's pretty badass, actually. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's dope stuff. I like it. How dare you kill my buddy's mom? Yeah. Just, I'm gonna kill you. It's a weird, like, it's a lot of mouthful of words, but it is a very powerful sentiment. Like, you killed my best friend's mom. <laughs> step, 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 step. What if that's just the way that the, the story finishes? The Asta goes like, wait a minute. I just realized. Swords are sharp. Oh my god. <laughs> I could just... <laughs> I could just stab you in the stomach a whole bunch of times. I've just been like smashing people with the flat end this whole time. Is that not how swords are supposed to work? Oh, it moves faster when you do this, guys. <laughs> Holy did you know swords work this way? Holy shit! I thought it was a blunt object. <laughs> oh, the entire time I was like, man, the hidden part of this is like really small, so I guess I'll just grab that and hit him with the bad end. Yeah. Um. The beginning of the chapter, like you say, it's very difficult to follow the action for me as well, uh, in, in particular because I know that it is not an accident that Yami and Nacht looked like identical here. But because of that, I had to go like, wait, so what? Wait, wait. So what happened? What? Um, and then, yeah, he counters them and you can't really see what he's done there's just like growths coming out of his shoulders that have gored them uh so it's it's a little bit weird but the stuff with the state and nasta yeah i mean it's like it's yeah. it's stuff that we have seen established before it's nice to have it reiterated and at least do a really cool moment where like yeah Asta's new form sure yeah. so all right let's close things out with one piece chapter 1043 Let's face death together. Last time, Luffy was going to punch Kaido, and that CP0 agent was just like, no, and grabbed him, and Kaido smashed him. Um, And so Luffy falls and goes, and leaves a crater, and um, a different CP0 agent seems to have realized what is happening, and then the power fades from Luffy. It, it bursts out of his mouth and floats off into the sky. And Momonosuke says, I don't hear Luffy's voice anymore. And Luffy falls and he's back in his base form and he is fully unconscious. It is. We get narration that says, battle on the roof of the Skull Dome, winner, Kaido, King of the Beasts. The narration said it. Therefore, it's final. Luffy's yeah. been defeated. <laughs> that, was, that was Luffy. It makes sense. They built up Luffy saying like seven times, like, this is the last time I'm going gear four. If I don't win now, it's done. So. As far as he knows. Yeah. Kaido looks at the asshole who just interrupted his fun fight and says, so you're prepared for what happens next. And the CP0 agent just dips his hat. As Kaido swings his club and fucking kills him. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what happens, but that dude is dead. He's dead. He just got smashed. I don't know exactly, like, how visceral it was, but he is dead. And I like that the and, other uh, dude's just like, good on you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go. the same I, one we gonna, saw observing before. There's going to be a memorial to you, less so for Hank and Jeff, who got fucking murked by fucking X-Drake back there and Izo. Those two sucked. There's no memorial for him. We're going to say they drowned in the ocean. But you, you did good. Good job, Tom. 
and then for a while, we just kind of cut around the different parts of Onigashima. As we are reminded, everything is going to shit. Stuff is on fire. Stuff is exploding. Holes have been blown in walls. Uh, and now Kaido has no one holding him back. So he enters his dragon form and comes down and says, Where is your leader? I must have Momonosuke surrender. Straw Hat Luffy is dead. And a bunch of the asshole beast pirates are like, Yeah, my Sakata won! Woo! Uh, and everyone else is like, Wait a minute. Wait, Luffy lost? Wait, seriously? <laughs> they're like, Wait a minute. That's not in the script. What the fuck? What the fuck is happening? <laughs> Uh, and we get a you know a series of reaction so- shots like Kid and Law being like, "Ugh, it was nice. It was nice while it lasted, but yeah, I guess like cold hard reality just slammed back into us." Chopper is crying. Uh, Otama is is crying, uh, and Nami's like, "There's no way Luffy lost. He's not dead. Fuck you." <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, she still believes. Good for her." Um. And she's flat out saying to the giant dragon, you're lying. (laughs) Uh, Kaido shoots a breath weapon and Marco is like, I shield. And he he tries to get everyone to to believe that it's not over yet. But of course, everyone's like, Luffy lost. What the fuck? So. And Kaido says, I'm going to crush the flower capital, by the way, just as I planned. Unlike Orochi, I actually do what I set out to do. So. Here we go. Uh, And he says, the entire country is a gigantic weapons factory. Women, children, I'll use them all. Everyone here is a slave. When you tire and fall apart, you'll simply die. It's all your life is worth. And there are always more replacements. You dare to fight back against me. And you have earned my wrath. This is what it means to lose a war. The cost of your defeat is your freedom and your hope. Jesus, dude, (laughs) calm down. (laughs) Fuck. And again, he demands that Momonosuke be brought before him, saying the battle is not over until I deal with him. Uh, And all the Beast Pirates are like, yay, I love being on the winning evil side. Let's (laughs) go massacre people. (laughs) This rocks. Dude, it looks so fucking bad for so long. (laughs) But man, this that was really actually the only fight that mattered, I guess. They start to bum rush a uh, kid who is still collapsed and law who um, is not doing much better. Uh, kid in laws men jump in the way to try and defend them. Uh, I do and like we the nice touch that uh, the members of the opposite crew are defending the other captain. So a member of law's crew. Oh, is protecting yeah, yeah. Kid and a member of kids crew is protecting law. I like that touch. Protecting the alliance. Yeah. And, and uh, then we just cut around to a whole bunch of people who aren't even dealing with beast pirates. It's just that stuff is on fire and everything is collapsing and we're in trouble uh, for a little bit of this. The people are trying to uh, get away from the flames and find an exit. Carrot and Cat Viper, Carrot's still going to do something, are trying to, to rush to, uh, to help people. Uh, Momonosuke is outside and he's like, I, I can't do anything. I can't. If Luffy couldn't beat him, how can I beat Kaido? And Yamato says to his son, you have to fight. Even if you know it ends in death, isn't that what a samurai does? Which 
we know what the samurai mean to Yamato and that like hits so hard uh, mm-hmm. because of but how the samurai have helped him. And he also says, though, who else but us can do it? Everyone's all torn up. Even Kaido is deeply wounded. But Monosuke says, but that's just going to add more bodies to the pile. If Luffy is already lost, then my only option is surrender. And Yamato says, I won't let you do that. What will that survival mean? Only a return to slavery, counting down the days to death. Surrender is not the same as salvation. This is what the daimyo from all over Wano did when they gave their lives fighting back against Orochi. The last 20 years of Wano is riding on this battle. If you're going to let it go to waste, then let's face death together. And Momonosuke stares at Yamato, and Yamato stares at Momonosuke. And Kaido blows some people up. Uh, That happens too. (laughs) And then... And then... And then... Nick, wait, that chapter had so much going on. There's still more? And then... We cut back to Luffy on the roof of Onigashima. Collapsed. His eyes so shut that they are blackened over into, like, empty holes. Yeah. And then we cut to Zunesha who senses something and speaks to Momonosuke, saying, I can hear it. How long it's been. I hear the drums of liberation. For the first time in 800 years, he is here. And Momonosuke says, who is? As Zunesha replies, Joy Boy has returned. And as he says this, we cut to Luffy, whose form is oozing and steaming, and his mouth twists into a grin. And that's the end of the chapter. (laughs) Nick, I have a hot take here. Okay. I don't care. I don't don't know what the fuck is happening. I don't care. I don't know what's going on. I don't care. I'm sure it'll be great. All these theorizing's going on. I don't care. I'm just gonna read the next chapter and continue on with the story. It's so it's so freeing to do that with One Piece, isn't it? Yeah. Because Oda just throws shit at you and then doesn't answer your questions next week. Because <laughs> I'm like, because there's a break too. There's a break before we're actually gonna get to the next issue. Um. So it's like, cool. We're gonna have to, you know, wait and find out this answer. I know some people are going crazy. I know, like this this chapter, I guess, trended very big like several days before it and there's all these theorizing things and i'm sitting here and i'm like i don't care i don't i don't know if luffy's joy boy i don't know if joy boy's inside of him i don't know if this has to do with luffy's double fruit and i don't care about anyone uh i will just read the next chapter and i'm sure it'll be interesting but i am not interested in theorizing this stuff i'm going to echo your sentiment and at the same time, have a different response to it, okay. which is, I think this is a fucking great chapter. <laughs> you see Luffy fall and it erases immediately any doubt. No, he lost. He's out. They, the, the fight is basically lost now because nobody can stop Kaido. He's too strong. Luffy was the only one who stood a chance. And that one agent fucked it up and we're all going to die now. And you see everyone start to fall into despair. Everyone's different reactions to it. Some are defiant. Some are completely at a loss as to what to do. Some are panicking. 
then you cut to Momonosuke, who is the leader, and he's like, I th- there's nothing we can do. I'm just going to surrender. And Yamato gives this fucking awesome speech because he is the one who has been having to deal with the reality of this situation for 20 years. Momonosuke is a kid and has been a kid and skipped all of it and doesn't still fully grasp what is going on. And Yamato does. And he's like, it doesn't matter. We've got to keep fighting. And before you can see how that's going to turn out, then there is a weird thing that happens. They're like, well, what the fuck is going to happen now? So I agree. I don't care in terms of the lore that's going to come out as a result of this. But in terms of how this is paced, the balance between complete despair and the still remaining lingering embers of hope. Really, really fun. Really cool ride that happens. I do like the execution of everything. All right, Nick, that's going to wrap it up, which brings yes. us to the end of Weekly Manga Recap, where we give our uh, chapter of the week and MVP. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, I don't know what my chapter of the week is. I'm trying. Let me let me give myself one more one more run through of the chapters real quick. So you can go ahead. Um, I'm going to give mine to Undead Unluck. Uh, I I like that. I just like that it's a complete chapter dedicated to the introduction of this new character, and they immediately make an impact. And I like the way that they're portrayed as well, in terms of Seal is still having to figure out their the way their abilities work. So, uh, but they also are a single line on their purpose. And I like how it's just like, yeah, a bunch of wild shit happens, and they're just going to keep on fighting. So, I guess I'm going to give mine to PPPPPP. I think it was a hmm. pretty good chapter this week. I like the introduction of like Gakyon and, and all the cool stuff he's all about. And I, I thought it was a, a really effective chapter, like kind of building up the next set, the next part of this uh, tournament. And then my MVP uh, that I know that is going to be uh, Master Saguma from Akari Banashi. I thought he looked so cool at the end of that chapter. I, I really got endeared to him after this week. Nice. And I'm going to give mine to Yamato for that fucking awesome. No, this is what a samurai does speech. So uh, the audience, by the way, picked Akane Banashi as their chapter of the week. And Hina chapter. from Blue Box as the character of the week. That's right, guys. Blue Box is has been for this past week and will be going into the into the future eligible for all of the voting for everything, not just favorite chapter and favorite character of each week, but also all the supplemental stuff that uh, will get done as well. So bring that bring that to the table if you like a blue box chapter, which I'm sure you will, because it's a good series. So I I can foresee I should it'll be weird if I say this and never give it a recordation. I foresee a lot of uh, either best chapter of the week or MVPs for blue box in the future. We shall see. Yeah, and then like a lightning strikes behind me and the series just becomes weird, titty, fucking fan service week after week. And I'm like, I hate this series now. <laughs> can we bring back what the fuck did we take out of this? Like Dr. Stone. I'd be like, God damn it. Can we just talk about old Dr. Stone chapters instead? Well, we can cover the the the, the side series that came out a few years ago, I guess. Okay, the one with I'll the take, weird robot. I'll take the robot every week. <laughs> Uh, that's right. That robot that didn't turn out to be, to be Y-Man. It was different robots. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, so that is going to do it, everyone. Thank you all for joining us for Weekly Mag Recap. We record the show live here on twitch.tv slash T Wednesdays, generally starting around 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. But sometimes we need to change things up, so be sure to stay tuned to us on social media, at T at NickFTime, and at WMR Podcast, and we will give you an update on what we're going to be doing with the show. Also, of course, join our Discord server. We will send out a notification when the show goes live. And also, you can use that to find the Google Doc maintained by NinjaX3i that keeps track of the voting for favorite series and chapters, recommendations that we're going to be taking on for the show, uh, as supplemental rewards, and many other very helpful bits of information. Also, it's just a great community in general. There are bi-weekly game nights that uh, are held amongst the community and also discussions about the recommendations that we take on and the new chapters for the series that we cover in the recap. We also want to thank everyone who supports us on Patreon, patreon.com slash weekly manga recap, where you can support the show. We do bonus content, including Chris doing the monthly other recap and us just doing regular extra bonus things that you guys get to listen to and enjoy and such. Weekly manga recap can be listened to on iTunes as well as on Spotify and it is available on weekly manga recap.podbean.com. All of our past episodes are there in audio form. There are video versions of most of the past uh, episodes that we have done on YouTube.com slash Weekly Manga Recap, including the video versions that are recorded during the live stream of the show. Uh, Milo Jack still has some music to do the opening sequence for that. And title cards are done by Steve Mann, whose artwork you can find wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the Internet, including his own Twitter, Twitter.com slash Steve Mann Art. Damn straight. Now it's time for the recommendation, Nick. Yes. And we've been generous to ourselves this year. We've taken a lot of shorter series, a lot of series that are mostly, you know, like slice of life or something like that. And that's been fun. Don't get me wrong. That has been very enjoyable. But I do think we have to get back to the bread and butter, so to speak, of Weekly Manga Recap, which is obscenely long Battle Shonen series. <laughs> Which is, why, oh, no. <laughs> which is why our next recommendation is from Eerie Gray, and that is D. Gray Man. Oh my god. <laughs> which is both an absurdly long series, a series with constant hiatuses, and is still not done yet. <laughs> so That's right. <laughs> god only knows what we'll get into. Oh boy. So oh we'll, no. We'll see oh you for this no. One. no, those numbers are so large. <laughs> we'll see you guys sometime in August for this recommendation. How many spin-offs does this series have? <laughs> it's just the one, right? Did I not do enough research on this? Oh wait, that's just a light novel. Never mind. Okay, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> I, I think there's about like two hundred some chapters of it. And like 26 volumes. So it's a long series. It's definitely a long series. Um, but, you know, we'll get through it. We'll get through it, Nick. Together. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>